Hey guys, you're listening to Leaving a Legacy. You don't have to scoop to anyone. Right. Even it, your mom, you know, and she's <laughs> in the top eight, and you're going to hop around, man. So we're going... We moved into the balls deep portion of the There's some things you just can't find, but... Like, like Mex- Mexican food, you can't buy Mexican food. <laughs> Hello again, and welcome to another episode of Leaving a Legacy. This is episode number 43. My name is Patrick, I'm your Legacy newbie, and with me is our resident expert, Jerry. Ah, oh, that's going a little far. <laughs> How's it going, man? Hey, pretty good, pretty good. <laughs> uh, no Adrian this week. Adrian had to step out to take care of some some man stuff, being a grown ass man. So we send him our best wishes, but he'll hopefully be rejoining us next week. Yeah, for sure. Just the two amigos this week. Oh yeah, we're gonna get <laughs> real down and dirty. <laughs> well, so uh, how did your weekend go, man? What did you uh, did you get out and play at all? Yeah, I got to. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't really call it playing that much. It's it always seems to be my habit that whenever I do well in a big event, I'll go to that Z, like the local event, and just bomb out. <laughs> uh, my only win of the day, well, I guess not really, but I got the buy, which was my one win of the day. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I did get to play against Celso. Celso got to claim vengeance. Uh, so now <laughs> me and Celso are 1v1 one, one one in the record books. <laughs> uh, I was playing Agro Loam again, and uh, round one I played Patriot Delver, and I just lost the true name Nemesis. Yep. And then yep. Celso, was, Celso was playing this crazy brew. <laughs> oh, he wasn't on Mud? No, he was playing Grixis Delver, but it was not like anything I've ever seen. Really? Uh, yeah, he was running Pyromancer's Ascension. Uh, what is that? I've heard of that. What is that? It, it's typically only been used in Modern Storm. Okay. But it's an enchantment for one colorless, one red. Whenever you cast a spell that shares a name with a card that's in your graveyard, put a counter on it. When it has two or more counters on it, it becomes active. And mm-hmm. when it's active, uh, anytime you cast a instant or sorcery, you double that instant or sorcery. Oh, you get to copy it. Right. Oh. So he was playing like Grixis Delver with... Uh, Dig through times and thought scours. Oh God! Uh, yeah, so like he was just filling up his graveyard uh, and casting dig through times and getting double dig through times and oh. getting double ponders and double lightning bolts and uh, what blew me out in our matchup was his freaking he was running Colagon's command. Yeah, that's pretty popular in modern right now. Yeah, well, that, it's <laughs> brutal in legacy too. I'll tell you. Yeah. <laughs> um, there was one. I had a dark confidant and a chalice of the void on one, and he dealt two to the dark confidant and then blew up the chalice, just blowing me out. <laughs> um, and then like I would I would abrupt decay his uh, his like young pyromancer. He'd return the young pyromancer to his hand. Uh, just a just really grindy deck, which is one of the decks, one of Agro Loam's struggles, is any deck mm-hmm. that can go toe-to-toe with you in the grind yep. um, is going to give you trouble. But definitely had some good games against him. Game three, it came down. He had a True Name Nemesis, and I had a Quasali Pride Mage, which is a 2-2 with Exalted. Yep. So he was attacking and I was attacking. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so we were just trading off three points of life at a time. 
And then it came down to he had a lightning bolt and I had a punishing fire. Yeah, and that'll do it. The one, the one damage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man, that's yeah. rough. Yeah, but definitely good games against him. And then I got the buy. And then I played a kid on Death and Taxes. It was like his first time. I, I don't know if it was his first time playing Legacy, mm-hmm. but first he borrowed the deck from uh, uh, from someone at the shop. So it was his first like time playing the deck and he actually was unfortunate enough to get paired down against me <laughs> uh so I, I beat him and then i'm just like i'm not gonna dream crush you <laughs> so yeah. I, I, I just i scooped him in that was nice that was yeah. nice got my good karma of the week absolutely man absolutely i mean at that point like what are you playing for like if you've already lost one you're probably not getting to the top four right you kind of have to win out uh, I mean, you can you can go four and one and make top four, unless okay. you're me, in which case you'll come in fifth every time. <laughs> the Jerry spot, right? The Jerry yeah. spot. <laughs> um, but uh, I was already X and two at that point because I lost yep. to Celso and I lost yep. to the Patriot Delver. Yep. Which I guess is actually just a lesson learned. I, uh, True Name Nemesis is a hell of a card for me to. Beat. It's very good. I, I've been struggling with trying to fit one in, in my Delver deck just to have one. Because it just seems like it's, if you're able to land it, you know, if you have some counter protection, counter backup to, just to cast it, it seems like it's just really good on its own. Yeah, I mean, theoretically, I should be able to deal with it because I have three Lilianas in the deck, mm-hmm. but it just felt every time either they had the answer for the Liliana, or they had other creatures so that the Edict effect didn't really do anything. Yep. Yeah. Um, and none of my other answers in the deck can deal with it. You know, Punishing Fire, Abrupt Decay, Maze of Eth, You know, any other creature I can deal with, but this freaking uh, this freaking True Name <laughs> Nemesis, uh, it might as well be a Progenitus. Yeah, yeah, it's it's rough. I've gotten beat down with it against Merfolk. Um, I've gotten beat down with it, with it against uh, Stoneblade. If they throw a Jit on there, it's even worse. Yeah, that, I mean, it's... he's the best carrier for equipment. Yeah, so for sure. But I think, uh, as much as it pains me, I may be cutting the Chains of Mephistophicles from the board. Really? Yeah, I just don't really need it. Like, my deck just beats up on blue decks already. Mm-hmm. Between, you know, Chalice of the Void and just the fact that it's a, it's a non-bow with the Sylvan yep. Libraries. Yep. Um, it's just not really worth it. And I think I'm just going to turn it into a Golgari Charm to just have another answer for True Name. Yep. Yeah, I mean, the chain seems like it's really good in the uh, in the grindy matchup, and any and maybe against miracles, right? Yeah, but the thing is, is like it's almost like I don't need it. Yeah, <laughs> because it doesn't completely shut them out the way uh, that like Chalice of the Void will. Mm-hmm. Because Chalice of the Void answers pretty much everything that Chains of Ephistocles does, but then it also answers other things like their Sensei's Divining Top being cast just to, you know, for the look at the top three aspect yep. of it. I mean, Chains is, it's cool, and it's definitely a pet card, but yeah, uh, I don't think it's worth the spot in this particular yeah. build. Well, I mean, it's it's good that you, like, can have a pet card, and beca- but can also be aware enough to cut a card when it's not working. Yeah. Um, some, some people don't have that discipline. They just want to keep playing with their pet card and, and won't, won't give up on it. But. <laughs> you like you like winning too much, I think, so. <laughs> uh, I do like to win. I do <laughs> like to win. <laughs> yeah. Well, this this weekend, this week of Magic, I did absolutely no winning. Um, convers- conversely, I did no losing as well, because I didn't get to play at all. Uh, I just had too many things going on. I had some, uh, like, a family reunion going on this weekend, so I missed seeing you guys at TE, which I was really bummed about. It seemed like you guys had a good time. 
Yeah. Uh, Celso came out, so I always get to see him. And yeah. then I punted. They all went out for a Brazilian steakhouse afterwards. I know. But, I know. I was trying to go. I kept missing Adrian's call. Uh, and we kept like missing each other, and I'm like, oh, I tried to get out there, but by the time I got back from uh, from uh, Rhode Island, it was just too, it was too late, but I was pretty bummed. Love to try to make up for that sometime. Yeah, I really wanted to go, but I was just so exhausted that yeah. I don't really have an excuse. This is just for Celso, so Celso leaves me alone and stops, stops <laughs> bugging me on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's been busting your balls pretty bad. Yeah, he does so hard. I mean, the fact that I lost to him on Sunday definitely did not help matters. <laughs> oh, man. Nobody listened to the tap and sack. You hear that, Celso? <laughs> it's, got, it's come this far. <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> that, that show sucks. Just, just kidding, Celso. Love you. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds like you guys had a good time up there. So yeah, it was definitely, definitely a fun time. I know. I know we were talking a little bit about the uh, the Wizards announcement over the weekend after uh, Protor Origins. Yeah, I liked how uh, they made the big deal about instituting the new mulligan rule, and the final match was determined to by the player just mulliganing into oblivion. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was pretty rough. I didn't, I didn't get to watch the feature match, but I did hear about it a lot on Twitter, and uh, it sounded like it was, it sounded like it was very well played. However, it went. So, I think uh, Joel Larson took it down. Is that right? Uh, probably. I don't know. <laughs> it's standard. It's standard. Who cares? I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> but they did have the announcement of the new, uh, the next uh, round of GPs that are coming yeah. up. Yeah. Did you want to talk about those? Yeah, I mean, I think there's only really one that matters. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Well, yeah, there's uh, there's one in Tacoma, Washington, the seventh and eighth, but that was already announced um, in November. Um, but mm-hmm. the next one looks like it's Columbus, Ohio, in June. Yeah, so a little less than a year from now. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. I'm, uh, I actually have some friends out there um, who I might try to crash with, and if you're up for coming along, man, we'll take the trip out. I've driven out there more than once, so yeah. Well, Col- be happy to do it again. Yeah, Ohio sure. is a lot closer to New England than people expect. Like people, It is, yeah. It's like a, it's only like a nine-hour trip out there. It's not yeah, that bad. But people, when people hear Ohio, I, like myself included, before I, you know, looked at a map, <laughs> uh, like you hear Ohio and you're like, oh, that's in the middle of the like Midwest. You have to drive through Kansas, right? <laughs> and, no, you get through like PA and you're basically there. I'm just perpetuating for all our international listeners about how Americans don't know geography for Oh no, we didn't. Why do we need to know geography? <laughs> Siri tells me where I need to go. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, um yeah, I'm definitely down to go out to uh, yeah. a little I mean, we can go weekend. there or we can go the same weekend there's one in the Czech Republic. Yeah, so. I mean that's I probably can't. easier. <laughs> Exchange <laughs> rates. <up> you. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm assuming that flight is probably like 16 hours, so yeah. I think I'd rather drive. <laughs> um, but then there's another one November of next year in uh, in Chiba, Japan. So I don't know if I'll make that one, but I'm yeah. definitely going to the one in Columbus. I'm psyched for that. Well, they only announced the first six months for next year, right? So there's still the possibility of there being another uh, Legacy GP later on in the year. Because oh, okay. usually we get two in the U.S., one on the East Coast, one on the West Coast. Oh, so, I see. Like this year, we had New Jersey at the beginning of the year, and then we're having uh, Washington at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, it may be different because the other thing that uh, people were mentioning, not just with Legacy, but with all the formats, is mm-hmm. now when there's GPs on the same weekend in different parts of the world, they're the same format. 
Yeah, well, that that shows like like the uh, the one in June, Columbus and, and the Czech Republic. Exactly. I guess, yeah. Whereas usually they're like four four or five months apart from each other, um, which is kind of a bummer because Legacy only gets so many you know hot points where you can mm-hmm. see kind of like take a temperature reading of where the meta is at. Yep. And they kind of squeeze that together, so instead of getting two separate readings, we're getting just one big reading. Right. Which. Right. In the grand scheme of things, probably isn't that big of a deal because you know regional metas are so different. It's it, it's it actually be interesting to compare, you know, how the American meta compares to the European meta at the exact same time. Yeah, that would be interesting because um, I mean they just had GP Lil and the, uh, I mean the the finals was a, lot, a miracle mirror, but mm-hmm. the, the top eight was pretty diverse. Um, do you have a strategy going into like a big? So you know we've done like SCG, which is like you know five six hundred people, whatever. Do you have a different strategy going into a larger GP as far as metagaming goes? Get your buys. Yeah. <laughs> buys are just so, so important. Um, every time I go into a GP without buys, I just feel like I threw away my 60 or 70 or however many dollars it cost to enter the GP. Yeah. Um, like at GP New Jersey, I sat down. My first round opponent was Storm. I lost mm-hmm. to Storm. My second round opponent was Manalus Dredge. I lost to Manalus Dredge. So two very interactive decks. It's two super interactive decks, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and I proceeded for the next six rounds to be in what's, you know, quote-unquote the Wild Wild West, yep. where you're in the loser's bracket, so you're kind of versing all these rogue decks and, you know, not necessarily the decks that you prepare against. So I was yep. versing, you know, I played another Storm deck, I played a regular dredge deck. Thank God I wasn't manalist dredge. Yeah. Uh, and then, like, two mud decks. So, if you don't start off with either winning your first two rounds or, even better, having buys for your two first two rounds, um, just the chances of picking up an early loss just derail you entirely. Yeah, and you know, I, would, I would imagine it's quite an uphill climb from there, too, like, going throughout the day. Oh yeah, you know I know I know people who if they lose the first round of any tournament, not just a GP but any tournament, they'll just they'll drop because okay. it's it's just like I'm gonna fight my way back, you know, tooth and nail, uh, climb all the way back, and then in the last round after playing for nine hours, I'm gonna lose the next round and and get knocked out. So yep. it's not even worth it for me. Yeah. yeah, just being like halfway through the tournament and not having used up your loss. You just it's all it's like it's like playing who wants to be a millionaire and still having a lifeline left. <laughs> you don't want to blow all your lifelines in the first couple rounds. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. That's makes sense. I uh, how um how do you suggest going about like so I mean I played a few like SCG opens but I actually haven't made it to a GP to play. Um, what's the best way of like just grinding out? What, what do you I mean? What do you have to do? get enough planeswalker points to? to achieve a buy how does that work exactly yep so you can do the grinding route which they've made very difficult with uh the updates Mm -hmm. um you basically have to be you know like top eating scgs and playing fnm every single friday not just fnm but playing like fnm on friday draft on thursday legacy on sunday in order to grind enough planeswalker points to get two full buys um, like I top eight at SCG, I play Legacy every Sunday, and then I would enter into the you know the odd draft, mm-hmm. and I think I was still like 500 Planeswalker points away from one buy. Wow! So it's you have to be like a grinder to grind yeah. on a buy. 
Um, the most common way people do it is that they'll have GPTs, you know, okay. pricks trials, where all yep. the local shops will host uh, tournaments where first prize gets buys gotcha. uh, to the GP. Those you can sometimes get lucky. You know, I've showed up to GPTs where there's eight players. Yep. So, you know, you have a pretty good chance of winning, you know, <laughs> just probabi- yeah. probability-wise, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you have a good chance of winning. And then I've also played in GPTs where there's, like, 50 people playing, mm-hmm. where it's, you know, it's a struggle. Um, it's honestly, like, when the season rolls around, you know, about, I start looking about three months prior, yep. just seeing, you know, the announcements, and I just fill out a calendar, and I mark on the calendar, you know, what the store is. Uh, when it is, and I just hit as many as possible because it just yeah. turns into a numbers game at that point. Yep. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And what's really important is having a group of people. So I have, you know, like Josh Sissio, Nick Wilbur, you know, all the kind of the local guys. We'll all go to the same GPTs, mm-hmm. and it gives you a huge uh, leg up because once people start winning the GPTs, they still they have their wins, so they don't need the buys. Right. And so what that means is they'll still play in the event because it's Legacy. We love playing Legacy. We love playing with our friends. Mm-hmm. But say it's me versus Josh in the finals and Josh won last weekend, he'll just scoop to me so I can get the buys. Because yep. oftentimes first place is just the buys. Right. And second place gets the store credit or packs. Yeah. So it's so you're looking at it from like a team mentality too. Yeah, it's I mean, it's possible to do it without a team mentality, but like anything in life, it's easier if people help you. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, we'll have to do that. I'm uh, definitely interested in getting in some GPTs. Um I I'm I'm curious to see how how many there are. I mean, you know, we're not too far from Ohio, but it'll be interesting to see how many are going to be held around here. I really don't have too much experience with that. The last ones I saw were for like Atlantic City, which I think is probably a little bit closer. Um, and I know like TJ's was holding a bunch because they were running Atlantic City, so they ran out a bunch of Grand Prix trials there. So I mean, see how much. Yeah, I don't think it's that big a deal. It's more time wise because I remember talking to people at uh, the GP New Jersey, and there were people from California who won GPTs, <laughs> and they said it was just a cakewalk because they show up at the GPT in Southern California, and the tournament organizer is like, "All right, is anyone actually going to the GP?" And like <laughs> three people raise their hand, and it's like, okay. We're going to play the tournament for the prizes, and then when it comes down to it, we'll figure out, you know, which one of you three makes it the furthest to make it so that you win the you win the uh, buys, nice. which That's I don't cool. think is allowed, but yeah. <laughs> it's like one of those things, well, if everyone breaks the rule, is it really a rule? <laughs> and if no one talks about it, has it really been broken? Yeah. <laughs> well, guess what? I'm talking about it, Wizards. <laughs> Blowing everyone's cover. <laughs> so everyone look out for that at one shop somewhere in California. <laughs> We're being, being very specific as to who it is, obviously. <laughs> so specific. I actually oh, don't man. even know the name of the store. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's like, I don't think that's like a terrible thing, in all honesty. Like, give the buys to someone who can actually use them. Like, right. You know, it's, it makes sense. I mean, I can understand people. There's going to be people who are saying, like, oh, well, he didn't earn them, so he doesn't you get, he shouldn't be able to use them. Yeah, but, yeah. you know, if, you put, if you're putting in the effort, if you're grinding and no one else wants them, give it to them. Yeah, yeah, totally. Absolutely. Yeah, it'll be fun, though. I'm, I'm very excited to go to, like, a real GP. Like, I went down to the GP Providence. That wasn't too long ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was, a, you know, that was a standard GP, which I obviously had no interest in playing. But I just went down there to check it out because you always see, like, GPs are just kind of wild. There's just lots of vendors, and sometimes there's people doing cosplay, and 
Um, it's just supposed to have a really cool atmosphere, and, and Chibi Providence did not have that atmosphere. I don't know if it was because it was on the same day as Father's Day or what the case was, but I wasn't, like, blown away by it, unfortunately. Yeah, also the GP Providence is kind of a smaller venue. Yeah. Like, if you go to any of the GPs at uh, the DCU Center in Worcester, mm-hmm. um, like, that's a really good place for GPs just because they have so much more space. Yep. Like, GP New Jersey was also awesome because it was just massive and there was, yeah. like, 30 different vendors um, that's one of the biggest things about the GPs is you can really get some deals. And yeah, I love haggling at GPs. <laughs> like, right now, are you when you go to a GP, are you looking to buy? Are you looking to sell, or do a little bit of both? Uh, definitely looking to buy. Stores yep. want you to sell, so if you're looking to offload some stuff, a GP is great to sell because you. It's one of the few places where you can get instantaneous counter offers. Mm-hmm. You know, you can go up to a vendor and say, "Hey, how much would you give me for this?" And then go to the guy next to him, hey, how much would you give me for this? And you can just work your way around the room, and if you put the work in, you can get the best deal. Like, I've done things where just walking around, like, taking the 15 minutes to walk around the room, I've saved myself $30. Yeah. And especially if you're not afraid to haggle, uh, you can get even better deals. You know, I got to the point where I was buying Caracas's at cheaper than the shop next to his, his buy price. (laughs) <laughs> so I could literally just like take the Krakus and walk it over and make five dollars for a trip. Yeah, it's not bad. Yeah, not bad. <laughs> yeah. I'll be I'll be very interested to see that. I mean, there's obviously uh, for a newer player like me, I'm still doing a lot of building out my legacy collection. I find myself like I've been <laughs> selling like a lot of like old hobby stuff on eBay, like <laughs> stuff that I just don't use anymore, um, and and just stockpiling my cash and like and snapping up deals when I see them, um, just so I have play sets of cards. I'm not even playing them right now. Like I have play sets of a lot of stuff I'm not using, but I just want to have the cards just to have yeah. them, you know. Just having the access to them is great. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, that's what I did. Uh, my my Tundras are what used to be old Xbox games. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a wonderful. My, uh, my, uh, my newest Volcanic Island is my old paintball gun, so... <laughs> nice. Did you hear about the, the Wizards announcement um, as far as being able to earn a Pro Tour invite by winning like a series-style event? Oh yeah, I saw that. Uh, the, the, yeah, like SCG is going to start having uh, uh, Pro Tour qualifiers. Yeah, I mean it, it. It's like it's at Wizards' Wizards' discretion, so I don't know exactly how that's going to work out. Um, but do you think it's going to be like a Pro Tour invite from the Players Championship of SCG, or is it just going to be like if you win an SCG Open, you could win a Pro Tour invite, or you could get a Pro Tour invite? Yeah, from I've, what I understood, it was only the Invitationals. Okay, um, so you're not going to get a Pro Tour by playing Legacy? Probably not. Yeah, so that's too bad. I, I was I, when I gave it a, a scan over at first, I'm like, oh, that'd be kind of cool if you could win a Pro Tour by playing Legacy, um, just for the just for the fact that you could go to the Pro Tour somewhere, but it doesn't look like that's going to happen. So, uh, I mean, the Invitational's trade off. Um, yeah, it's just you also have to play Standard. <laughs> so there is still yet to be any. You know, strictly legacy way to get on the pro tour, other than yeah. winning the one or two legacy GPs. Yeah. That would. Oh yeah. So I guess I guess you could do that, right? If you win, like, if you you know, if, if Jeremy happens to top eight or actually win uh, the GP in Columbus, you would actually make it on the pro tour. 
Right, exactly. But at the same time, I don't even know if I would want that. <laughs> like, well, I mean, they get, they pay for your flight, right? Yeah, like, I think I would just, like, take the flight if it was somewhere interesting. Like, if it's yeah. in, like, Krakow or something like that. <laughs> um, if, you go, if you go to Pro Tour Detroit, you're probably yeah, not going to go. <laughs> probably, or, like, yeah, probably not going to Pro Tour Detroit. <laughs> but no offense to any of our listeners in Detroit. <laughs> no, of course not. Just, I don't want to go there and pay for a room not to even play Magic. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's a lot of fun. But if it's, like... Like Pro Tour Honolulu or something like yeah. that. It's like, yeah, I'll take the plane flight out there. Yeah, that's the dream, right? I mean, <laughs> show up, give my round one opponent a free win. <laughs> yep, yep, scoop and just and go enjoy Hawaii. This isn't a bad deal. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I have no. I've been watching Standard a little bit, and it still doesn't strike me as anything I want to mess around with. Yeah, exactly. So what else has been going on? Oh. Not much. I've uh, been kind of slow in the legacy world. People mm-hmm. are, you know, getting used to the new stuff. Uh, I noticed, you know, Death and Taxes won the latest SCG, which is uh, kind of interesting, but not, like, super spicy. Yeah. Nothing nothing really great in that list. Yeah, I'm kind of just, like, looking over it, and it's, it's pretty standard. Uh, I mean... Yeah. Oh, and actually, I just noticed Magnus of the Moon. It's flashing red for Magnus. Huh. Which, I don't know how they're actually... Huh, are they literally just violing it into play? Yeah. Not running any plateaus. Interesting. And <laughs> I love it when SCG does this, but they listed one of the cards as Mystic Crusader, but <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's supposed to be Mirren Crusader. Because <laughs> Mystic Crusader is just a bad Mirren Crusader. <laughs> yeah, maybe it's his pet card, you never know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I guess uh, taking a closer look, it's a little spicier than I thought, because yeah. he is running red for Magus of the Moon and Imperial Recruiter. Oh. How does Imper- Imperial Recruiter work in that deck? Uh, I'm pretty sure it's just, you know, uh, Stoneforge Mystics 5 and 6. Okay. Uh, I mean, you can get whatever you need at the time, but, you know, it, it searches up actually everything except for the Flick or Wisps. So That's it's just kind of a good. tutor. It's just a tutor for any other card in the deck. Yeah, I'm still messing around with that uh, that Days Undoing kind of blue-red tempo deck. I yeah. think I'm going yeah, to sleeve that up and take that to TE this week. Yeah, I really just kind of want to bite the bullet and buy some of them. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think they're going down at all. They seem to be kind of steady around like eleven, twelve dollars. So. Yeah, that's what I kind of feel too. Is that they've kind of hit their bottom. Yeah. But yeah, that my card just seems so good in just decks that want to dump your their hand. Yeah, yeah. I mean, my my biggest concern is that I mean, three mana is certainly a lot for blue red Delver, but I don't think it's unattain- unobtainable. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's again, it's only got the one colored mana, so it's not too painful. We'll see, though. I'm gonna, like I said, I'm gonna put, sleeve it up, go to T, and run that list and see how it goes. I'm not gonna have a chance to uh, play test it at all, but just I think it'll be worth. And just run it. <laughs> yeah, just run it. Yep, exactly. Um, exactly. yeah, me and Adrian were talking. I really like it in Merfolk in place yeah. of standstills because mm-hmm. the Aether vials. If you have a couple of Aether vials out, you just days undoing and then vial in your creatures that you drew off of it, uh, yeah. and on their turn. Plus, you're reloading your hand if you're running, you know, days and force of will versions. Yep. Um, I think you definitely need to build the deck around it. You need to tweak it, like running dazes over spell pierces and 
just basically running as many free instances as you can to really fully take advantage of it because right. you know the downside of ending your turn isn't that much of a downside if you can play all your stuff on your opponent's turn. Right. Well, yeah. That's oh, that's true. Right. With Aether Vial, you can just you can violate anything. It turns it gives all your creatures flash essentially. Yeah, Vial basically gives them all flash and uncounterable because you're not actually casting them. All right. So are you in in Murf? See, I've only played Murfolk like once or twice. Um, are they ideal like having one or two vials out? Like, is that is that better than just having one? Oh yeah, you definitely want to have two out because you yeah. typically you want to have like one on three, one on two. Okay. Um, at least that's how it is, especially for death and taxes. So you mm-hmm. can, you know, three is important because in death and taxes you get your flicker wisps and your Murin crusaders. Two is basically everything else. Yep. With Merfolk, two is much more the magic number because you get all your lords are cost two, your silver mm-hmm. gill adepts to cost two. Three is less important, but it's relevant because that's, you know, when you're flashing in uh, True Name Nemesis or, yep. you know, Meryl Regery. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I think Merfolk's a cool a cool deck. I would definitely play it. Like, I would try it at least bar for someone to try it out. Um, because I do really enjoy creature decks. Mm-hmm. I have it sleeved up. It's one of those decks that you can just, like, keep together because it doesn't have too much overlap with the rest of the format. Right, right. It's like Wastelands and Force of Wills are the only yeah. thing that you have to kind of, you know, not dedicate to that deck. Yeah. Yeah, it's not, not bad. Yeah, it's kind of neat. I am looking at this uh, MKM series. I just posted up on MTG Top 8 from Toulouse. Mm-hmm. Looks like it was like a 100-player event in, um, in like, late July. And it's just like the typical, like, the usual suspects in the Top 8. But I saw this Grixis Delver list that kind of caught my eye um, running four Wastelands. Are they normally running Wastelands and Grixis Delver? It depends on the builds. Yeah. Um, Grixis Delver and Bug Delver has a lot of different flavors. You know, it seems pretty straightforward on the on the surface, but they actually play really differently. Yeah. Um. So is this one not running? I, I have it pulled up here. Yeah. So this one has for its creature package, it has fourteen creatures, which is pretty heavy. Four Delver, four Death Rites, uh, three Young Pyromancers, two Gurmag Anglers, and one Trinian Nemesis. Um. They are running one Kolagon's Command in the main. Um. Four Bolt, four Forces, four Days, four Ponder, four Brainstorms, uh, three Probes, two Digs, a uh, Forked Bolt, and a Spell Pierce, um, mm-hmm. which I thought was kind of neat. Yeah, well, actually, it's perfect. You can actually see both flavors of Grixis, because uh, on that same top eight, there's the Grixis Delver, which you just read off, and then yep. Grixis Pyromancer. Yeah, which is the other one that I thought was pretty sweet, because it was running the Cabal Therapies, and I've been dying to run Cabal Therapy and Pyromancer in the same deck. <laughs> yeah, I think these are awesome because it really shows uh, the, the the players knowing exactly what they want to do and not getting confused, because mm-hmm. I see newer players doing this all the time. They'll look at both lists and just cherry-pick their favorite cards from each list and throw it right. together into a mismatch, uh, like yep. a mix-up not realizing that, you know, the cards don't actually play that well together. So the first one, the Delver list that you read off, that one's much more tempo-orientated, which is why it's running Wasteland. Because you want to land a Delver and then protect that Delver with dazes and waste your opponent off of land so that Delver gets as much uninterrupted damage in as possible. Yep. Whereas the the Grixis Pyromancer list isn't running Wasteland because it's a much more controlling uh, version of the deck. It 
it has a much higher curve, so it can't really afford the wastelands because wasteland isn't a land. You know, <laughs> very rarely yep. do you tap wasteland for mana. Um, so it can't afford the wastelands in the to dilute the mana package. And because it's just playing a much bigger game, it's running Snapcaster Mages. Right. I mean, it does have two Jace in the main. Yep, two Jace, exactly. So it's going for a much more controlling build, which is the main difference between the Grixis and the Bug decks, whether they'll run Wasteland or not. Mm -hmm. And it's typically the easiest way to tell is if it's running Delver. You know, nine times out of ten, if they're running Delver, they're running Wasteland. Right. Um, the kind of one exception was the blue red decks, and that was just because their goal was to kill them before Wasteland ever mattered. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I tried a few Wastelands in my in my blue red Delver deck, and they just seemed like they were taking me off my own mana. Like I'd rather have the volcanic and just play the play the aggressive game than try to try to play like the temple game with them. Yeah. Exactly. You just you, it's it's not worth it because you're yeah. gonna kill them before they can actually even play the spells that you're worried about. Yeah. Exactly. But, exactly. These lists are a little bit more... They're slower. They trade off speed for consistency. Mm-hmm. And so because of that, they have to run the Wastelands as a way to slow their opponent down. Right. Yeah, it's kind of neat to see, like, two Grixis lists. I'm sure this is old hat for you, but see two Grixis lists that are, you know, their mana bases are fairly similar, um, with the exception of the huge difference of, like, the Wastelands, because that totally changes your game plan in, in, in Legacy. Like, if you're running four Wastelands, you're running no Wastelands. It seems like you're on a different game plan. Yeah, and I mean the big difference too is the wa- is what they replace the wastelands with, mm-hmm. um, because instead of wastelands they get to run basics, which is right. huge because it allows them to play Blood Moon in the sideboard. Yeah, I did see that too. Where yeah. the Grixis Delver deck would never run a Blood Moon because it just fucks themselves over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I would never run Blood Moon in my deck. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I'm definitely thinking about once I'm finished up with uh, Blue Red Delver and I've gotten pretty good with it, I definitely want to pivot off into a Grixis build, but I'm not really sure where I'm going to go with it. But the Pyromancer build seems really neat. Um, I just kind of want to have the interaction between Cabal Therapy and the Young Pyromancer. Yeah, yeah, that's a really fun combo. Especially when you add uh, Gitaxian Probe into the mix. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It just seems like a lot of fun. I, don't know. I like how Mud came in second of that. Uh, <laughs> is that a deck that just gets hated out easily because I don't see it very often in the top eights, or is it just one of those things that it can kind of just like spike a tournament if people aren't prepared for it? But oh, mud! It's a very variable deck. Um, it loses to itself is the big how, problem. <laughs> how, how so? It it just it has very little uh, deck fixing, mm-hmm. uh, and the and the deck just operates in two halves. There's acceleration. And big fat fatties. Yep. <laughs> and sometimes you draw all the big fat fatties, and sometimes you draw all the acceleration. I see. And I see. if you kind of look at the look at the list, there isn't really like this. It does. This list isn't even running uh, uh, Sensei's Divine on top, which is what they'll usually run. Yeah. As a way to kind of find their, you know, thin out the deck and you know make sure they're drawing the right cards and. This isn't running it, so it's literally just to the mercy of its draws. <laughs> it's as fair yeah. as fair magic gets. <laughs> no. So you're looking to just get like you're looking to get in Worm Coil, uh, like the Platinum Imperion, and the Blight Stealer, right? And the Sundering Titan, I guess. Those your that that's your big game in that deck. Yeah, I mean your ideal opening is like Ancient Tomb into Metalworker. Hope the metal worker survives, and then just dump your hand of golems, worm coils, sundering titans, blight steels. Yep. 
Like, the deck can get a turn two Bladesteel Colossus. Yeah, that's pretty disgusting. <laughs> and it can even get a turn two Bladesteel Colossus with haste if it has the Lightning Greaves. <laughs> yeah. I think, wasn't Celso talking about playing Ugin in there and then also playing um, Painter Servant? And right. being able to, like, to destroy the color. Everything. Yeah, blow up even, like, lands and everything, too, right? Yeah, because it makes them colored. Yep. It's a pretty sweet combo. But yeah, it's kind of like, good. Looks like this person didn't listen to Celso. <laughs> <laughs> no, they must have they not have heard our last podcast. So no. We got to get on not. that. <laughs> Just a cool little, little Wobble combo there. I didn't even hear about this event. I'm surprised because it had over 100 players. Yeah, MKM series. I don't even know what that is. Um, um, yeah, you said it was Toulouin? Yeah, Toulouse. So that is France, maybe? Yeah, France. Yeah. Once again, showing off our uh, geographic knowledge. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Everyone everyone who's uh, not from the U.S. knows exactly where that is. Yep. Uh, Oh, and my deck deck made top eight as well. Uh, Pretty much almost exactly uh, the list I'm running. The the rock deck? I mean, the... uh... Yeah, yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so. pretty much the same. I'm trying to kind of look at the differences. I'm running one less night. Yeah, pretty close yeah. to it. Night of the Reliquary is a good card. Night of the Reliquary, yeah, Night of the Reliquary is a really good card. Because, uh, um, what is it, Maverick plays that too, right? Yeah, I mean, when Maverick is around. Uh, but yeah, it's it was kind of the linchpin of Maverick for a long time. I played Maverick for the first time, um, at the Wiz the other week. And, um, yeah, that was the one I ended up drawing, too. Um, they had double Knight of the Reliquary out, and I was just playing. I had, like, a Pyromancer with a bunch of tokens, but I didn't realize. I, I had never played against Knight of the Reliquary, and mm. it's just uh, it's pretty neat. Well, what people don't realize is that he can also be used as just uh, a Birds of Paradise. Mm-hmm. Because yep. you tap the land for mana, tap Knight to sack it, and then you put the land into play untapped. Yep. So yep. there was multiple times when I was, like, green sunning for, you know, Titania, and the only reason why I was able to do it is because I already had a, already had a knight in play. Yep. Actually, it's funny that you're t- um, talking about lands. I had a conversation with someone the other day about uh, fetches, um, and I had this, I kind of had done a little bit of reading um, when I was playing standard and fetches came into standard because everyone was kind of going nuts for them and trying to run as many as they could if they were on color, um, even if it was one color in their of their three-color deck or whatever. Um just for the deck thinning, and uh, I, d- I think a lot of people, I'm, and I'm sure legacy players are a little bit more well-versed than standard players are, but how little deck thinning um, fetches actually do. They're yeah. not really worth the, like the point of life. Like the, the point I came across with the kid was like, I showed him an article on it because it has like all, you know, all these nice graphs, and it's, it's very plain to see like fetches are for color fixing, and that's it. Like, I mean... The only reason why, like, Burn is even running any fetches is just because it's great fuel for Grim Lava Mancer. Like, if I'm running a Burn deck with no Grim Lava Mancer, I don't even know if I'm running fetches. Yeah, I feel Burn players are, like, the most vehemently divided group of players about that school of thought. Mm-hmm. Because some Burn players will run, you know, as many fetches as possible, whereas yep. other Burn players refuse to run a single one. Yeah. And it's true. I think it was Paulo Vitor, uh, Domine Rosa... Uh, wrote a pretty good article about the probabilities of deck thinning with fetches, mm-hmm. and it's like fractions of a percent. Oh yeah, I mean it's literally fractions of a percent, and it's 
um, it was really interesting. I can pull up a little bit of thing and show you, but it was cool to see like these graphs of like you know over the course of like five or six turns, which is is an eternity in legacy, right? Like the chances of you thin, actually thinning out your deck to a point where you know three to four points of life actually matter. It just doesn't it doesn't work out that way. Right. Um, yeah. Just like the life loss just isn't worth it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It actually it came up because the the po- it was actually on the um the legacy subreddit. Um, they were asking why doesn't Death and Taxes play fetch lands, um, and it, obviously the biggest reason was that the math doesn't work out for them. They don't really need the fetches in that deck, right? You know the the amount of games they would lose by one or two life far exceeds the amount of games they would win by yeah. you know preventing themselves from top top decking on planes. Yeah. 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 I, I definitely don't think it's... It, you have to have a reason. You know, obviously all of this changes if you introduce ways to manipulate the top of your deck. If you're running right. Sensei's Divining Top, Brainstorm, yep. anything like that. I mean, that's when fetches really shine because... Absolutely, yeah. You know, now instead of manipulating just the top card of your deck, you're manipulating the top three cards of your deck. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, that. I definitely that's one of the things I've been working on too is getting more proficient in using Brainstorm with in combination with fetches, because it really is very powerful if you're looking at your drawing dead for your next three turns, you're able to shuffle up your deck and, you know, get a different top three cards, potentially. It's very uh, very good for that deck. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I feel, at the same time, though, people will still take every uh, action needed, even if it is a minimal percentage point gain. You still take those gains, you know. If yeah. you if you're in like the last final turns of game three, and you need to top deck a certain card in order to win the game, and I have a fetch land, I'm damn well I'm going to, you know, crack that fetch to get another land because that's just one less wrong card that I would top deck. Yeah, yeah, I can understand that, but I think I mean, the the math the math I guess maybe that's one of those things where it's more psychological than anything else because at the very least you're doing everything in your power to make sure that you're not drawing a land on top right oh yeah definitely you and know, it's very like important it, never look at the top card because if, no, it, is the, if it is the card that you need <laughs> no you God. can't do that you can't do that that's, that's just that's just bad that's like that's like you know when you choose the mulligan you just don't look at the top of your deck because it's just you're just going to reinforce bad habits if, it's, if they're good cards on top you know what I mean only, only bad things come from that. Yeah. My mulligan, I don't look this up. Exactly. Yeah. One thing I do want to talk about, though, that I thought was pretty interesting was mm-hmm. uh, Jerry T., one of my favorite legacy players. Okay. Because uh, he always does something pretty fun and interesting, and he's always, he always has a good insight about the format, but uh, he posted a uh, list that uh, did somewhat reasonably on a Magic Online event. Yep. Where it was uh, uh, basically Zoo. Uh, and I thought that was awesome because Zoo was one of the dominant decks when I first started getting seriously into Legacy. And it just kind of fell off hard and hasn't really reared its its head in a long time. And I just really like this list because it's running Domri Raid in, uh, really? in Legacy. Yeah. What, what pushes Zoo out as a deck? Um, so it was doing really well when Merfolk was one of the best decks in the format. Yep. 
you know, this is this is in the days before, you know, not only Deathrite Shaman, before Delver of Secrets. Yeah. You know, Canadian Threshold was still running, like, Nimble Mongoose and Werebears. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, the, the, creature, the creature suite was a lot more limited, and the format yeah. was, uh, you know, slower. It basically, before these days, you didn't get to have it all. <laughs> you couldn't get, you know, a 3-3 flying... Uh, in blue and also a forceable backup. You kind of had to choose between them. Right. Yeah. So the zoo decks were just better able to compete. They were, they were better than a lot of the fair decks. And now it just got to the point where the blue fair decks are just better than the non-blue fair decks. Hmm. Um, but this is interesting because it's it's coming back. It's running, you know, four Bloodbraid Elf. And then it can pretty much hit anything in the deck. <laughs> <laughs> so you can hit Domri Raid, you can hit Sylvan. It's running three Sylvan libraries, which is huge. Mm. Um, it, the only thing the Bloodbraid Elf can't hit is the Batter Skull, but it can hit the Stoneforge Mystic to find the Batter Skull. So it's running one Birds of Paradise, four Bloodbraid Elf, four Noble Hierarch, three Stoneforge, four Tarmogoyf, four Wild Nacatl, uh four Thalias. Then two Domri Raid. A Batter Skull, three Sylvan Library, four Bolts, four Punishing Fire, and a Jet. Hmm. What's the, I mean, what's a Domri Raid in there for? What are they looking to do with him? Uh, just plus him. <laughs> yeah. Like, okay. <laughs> the, the deck's running 24 creatures, and then Sylvan Library plus Domri Raid, you can just make sure that you hit every time. Yep, yep. Um, so you're just getting free value, and then, you know, the fight ability is pretty relevant with Tarmogoyfs. Sure, um, yeah. And, you know, in That's going to take out most things on the board, so... Right, and in a pinch, you can also just have a Batter Skull fight something and just gain four life. Yep, yep. Uh, and then, you know, if you ever ultimate them, you know, you're probably, you've probably won the game by now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, uh, the Double Strike, Trample, Hexproof, and Haste is pretty good. Yeah, I mean, it, <laughs> That'll it's... get you there. Dobry Raid is basically an enchantment that reads, at the beginning of your upkeep, draw a card. <laughs> yeah, yep. In a deck that's, like, creature-centric like that, it's, it's they're just going to draw it every turn. And, yep, yeah. exactly. They can just stack the deck with the Sylvan Library. Yeah, it's pretty uh, sweet. Yeah, I just thought it was it was pretty nice. Uh, yeah. good, to, good to see an old favorite coming back. Do you think that has the potential to, um, to kind of go places, or do you think it's just going to be sort of one of those decks that will kick around and, and do... Do mediocre here and there. Uh, it's hard to say. I I've I've wanted Zoo to come back for a long time just because I think it's it's like the ideal, you know, legacy like newbie friendly legacy deck because mm-hmm. this is what you know people think of when they think of stereotypical magic. It's yep. play creatures and attack. Yeah, you just happen to be running the best creatures ever printed. Right. Well, <laughs> at least they were at the time before Delver of Secrets. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but honestly, that's almost kind of why I, I always, you know, say half-jokingly that I want Delver of Secrets to be banned. Yeah. Because I think in order for Zoo to come back as a deck, Delver of Secrets can't exist. Because Really? Yeah, because, like, why would I run that deck when I can easily just run Bug Delver that does pretty much all the same things that that deck does, but also gives me access to Brainstorm and Force a Well? Right, yeah. It's yeah. just, I have an aggressive one-drop creature in blue. I don't need to run, you know, wild McCattles. Yeah. In order <laughs> to, uh, you know, access that. Yeah. Yeah, Delver's a good card, man. I, I enjoy playing with it a lot. 
Yeah, it's just yeah. It, it would be a fine card in any other color. It's just yeah. why blue? <laughs> like <laughs> it's very flavorful. Yeah, I love blue. I'm a blue mage. I will play blue until the day I die. <laughs> but at the same time, like we didn't need Delver of Secrets. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's definitely it does stuff that blue typically doesn't do, right? I mean to have a, a three two flyer such for one is pretty. I, I don't know what other color that would fit in though. I mean, uh, probably white. You could do like something like green too, right? If it was like, uh, I don't think you could flip it on instant or green, sorcery though. It had to be like flip them. Like, uh, yeah, that's true. I think that's there's true. like very very few mono green flyers in Magic. What about history. like what about red? If it was like dragon egg, and if you flip over like at the top of your card, the top of your library, it's instant or sorcery, it turns into a dragon. Yeah, I can see it in red. I can see it in white. Yeah. It could be like a bird. Yeah. Yes. But nope, instead it's in blue. <laughs> yep, I like it in blue. I mean, that's <laughs> that and True Name are like two of the best like blue creatures I can think of. And I real I just I just can't find room for, for True Name in my in my lists right now. Yeah. Um, three mana is a three mana is a lot for a creature. Honestly, I just think the best pairing with uh True Name Nemesis isn't Delver of Secrets, it's Stoneforge Mystic. When I'm, yeah. when I'm playing True Names, I just want to be fetching up Jits and Swords and throwing yeah. those on there. Uh, my buddy Mike actually brought a really interesting brew uh, to Legacy. Uh, he was running Esper Mill. Yep. Uh, so he was running, you know, Hedron Crabs, which are, it's one blue for a zero two, zero three. I forget. Yes. But... Um, Whenever a land enters the battlefield, it has landfall. Whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, uh, target opponent mills the top three. Oh yeah, that's a Zendikar guy, right? Yeah, and it's just brutal. Like he'll have two of them in play, and he'll play a, he'll <laughs> oh, play man. a fetch, and it's like mill six. Oh god, crack the fetch, <laughs> mill six more. <laughs> um, oh, that's brutal. Yeah, that's so he's running really... that glimpse the unthinkable, and then the kicker was he was running Stoneforge Mystic. Wow, with True Name Nemesis, and he was fetching yeah. up Sword of Body and Mind. So, what does that? What does Sword of Body and Mind do? Uh, it's whatever it connects. Uh, the opponent mills the top ten, and you get a two-two wolf. Oh, oh yeah. Oh man. And he gets pro green and pro blue. Yep, pro green and pro blue, which aren't really the best pro colors. Yeah, uh, there isn't too many bounce effects. And Legacy, the green is useful because it means you don't have to worry about uh, Goyfs blocking you. Yep. But it's on a true name already, so it's getting through one way or another. Hmm, interesting. <laughs> but it's just, you know, he, if need be, if he doesn't have the true name, he can throw it on a crab or throw it on the true name itself and yep. start swinging in and start milling. Was he running, um, what's that plant, Ashiok? Did he have any Ashiok in his main board? Uh, I don't know if he was running Ashiok, but that's probably a pretty good addition to it. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious because I know that that is a good card in a mill deck. <laughs> yeah. Ashiok is pretty good. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. The problem with mill, and like he was running into it, is until you actually deck your opponent, every mill card basically is blank. <laughs> yep. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it, it just doesn't affect the board state. It's not shoring up your defenses. It's not putting pressure on them. It's just mill you, mill you. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, because it, it, it's like your life total. It doesn't really matter until that last point is gone or that last card is gone. Up until then, it's just it's it's just a resource, right? Yep, exactly. Though, he can make it run out pretty quick with uh, Archive Trap. 
What's, <laughs> oh, I have to look this up. What's Archive Trap? Oh, my God. He's so sneaky about it, too. Um, so Archive Trap, I forget, it's like four or five. It doesn't really matter, though, because it's if an opponent searched their library this turn, you can play it for free. Oh. <laughs> and it's middle of the top 13. 13. <laughs> so already with, like, fetch lands, you know, he's just firing that off left and right anyways. Oh, man. But he makes it look like he's running a budget deck, because instead of Wastelands, he's running Ghost Quarters. And instead of Swords <laughs> to Plowshares, he's running Path to Exiles. Because you're like, go on. Get that basic land. <laughs> Find it. <laughs> oh, man. That's awesome. And then he just archive traps them. And the Ghost Quarter does double duty if he has Hedron Crab out, because he can get just play the Ghost Quarter, Ghost Quarter his own land, find a basic. And... <laughs> oh, man. So the deck is super fun. That is cool. That's really cool. I, I love decks like that, like little like brew-type decks. Um, I, I kind of, kind of actually want to build that and play it because it seems awesome. Yeah, it's so funny. <laughs> oh man, did he did he end up milling anyone out with it? Yeah, he milled a couple people out. Um, I think he went two two on the day. Yeah, I mean, double hedron crab is seems pretty good. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, the problem is, is like you run into the deck that wants to mill, like you play reanimator. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you're like, Hedron Crab, mill three. Thank you for putting Grizzlebrand in my graveyard. I'm Damn going it. I'm <laughs> going to reanimate that now. <laughs> yeah. I, I remember I was playing against him and he played Hedron Crab and he milled three. And I hit Life from the Loam, Grove of the Burn Willows, Punishing Fire. <laughs> He's just like, yep, that was a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, it seems like it's. I mean, he's not winning by attacking, right? He's only it's only it's strictly a mill deck, right? Because I mean, he can win by attacking, but it's not the the main goal. Because throwing sword of body and mind on true name, you're gonna win in four turns, uh, just by damage. But you're gonna yeah. probably with all the other cards in play. You know, if you archive trap them or hedron crap them, you're probably gonna win off of one, maybe two swings. Yeah. Like, the, the true name in Sword is kind of more than a nail in the coffin. Yeah. Archive Trap, that's a cool card, man. Wow. I, I did not play, like, the Zendikar block. I wasn't here for that, so... Um, I always get... I'm always surprised by some of the cards that are in that set. They're so neat. Yeah, yeah, there are a lot of cool cards in it. I'm pretty excited for Return to Zendikar. Yeah, I, I was actually... I was going to talk to you about that. What do you... Do you have any... I mean, because, obviously, Origins is, is obviously out and... and you know, nothing, nothing too crazy in there, but I'm interested to see what's in Battle for Zendikar. I think there's gonna be some fun, fun stuff in there. Yeah, um, I don't even know what I'm hoping for. <laughs> I, I think here's the way. Here's what I think, and this is coming from someone who's, you know, just came back a few years ago. Um, if you have the name of Zendikar in your set and you don't print the enemy fetches. I think it's going to be a pretty bad, a pretty big feel bad moment for a lot of people. No, I, I honestly don't think they're doing the enemy color fetches. I think really, yeah, enemy color the fetches are like their ace in the hole that they break out every five years. You know, you can map it. You know, if you look at fetch lands, if you look at shock lands, and you you know plug them on a graph of Magic's history, you know mm -hmm. they come out in in set time periods. Like yeah, yeah. So <sighs> I, I it's it's way too soon. I, I honestly think what they were planning on doing was they were going to have the Onslaught fetches in Battle for Zendikar, 
Mm-hmm. But if you remember, just like the uproar at the time was so big, people were complaining so loud, and people wanted the fetch lands printed sooner that they're like, all right, fuck it, move it up, just shut these yeah. people up. And maybe, yeah, maybe. I mean, I guess they're not really used a ton in in like the cons block. Like you didn't see a ton of people playing a lot of fetch lands. Yeah, I mean, it affected delve, but they there's no reason to print an entire cycle of fetch lands just so like one particular faction had a better ability. Yeah. Like, it helps for Delve, but it doesn't really, like... Not like it did in in Zendikar, where it was like, yeah, this makes total sense. <laughs> well, like, Landfall for them was, like, a, was a, was a theme, right? It was one of the, like, the major mechanics of that set. Right, exactly. So playing with your lands is a big deal. And and I know that... Um, what was it? I, I listen, I've listened to the, the, the Mark Rosewater Drive to Work podcast a few times, mm-hmm. and... Um, he was saying like the the set names for that were like traps, chaps, and something else. Maps, maybe. Yeah. And so that was like a theme to that set, where like there was there was traps, there were chaps. Allies. Which, yeah, it's, yeah, the allies, and then there were um, the maps, which had some. I don't know what those were before, but. Um, yeah. Well, they did announce that allies are making a comeback. Oh, they did. Yeah, allies are going to be returning. Interesting. What, what is is that? Just like a. Um, uh, a mechanic for uh, I was never really a big fan of it but it was basically yeah. like a uh, it's like a being in play matters mechanic where you would play an ally and it would have an effect and it would either mm. like multiply that effect or have an additional effect based on the number of ally creature types you had in play so kind of like slivers kind of thing yeah it was like slivers but for every creature type not just you know slivers yeah interesting and it was mostly based on coming to play abilities too like so was it a little like tribal theme to it um i guess so but it didn't really feel that way because you could have like a merfolk next to an elf they're both allies um yeah, the the other theme of it was level up. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't really a big fan of level up either. It was definitely a way to fix kind of, you know, it was a ramp based set. But yep. the problem with limited is if you have all these ramp spells, what do you do with all your mana late game? Right. And I'll, and uh, level up was kind of an interesting way to fix that problem where you have these mana sinks that you can actually use late game. Yep. They actually just printed um, a guy in, I think it was Fate Reforged that had that mechanic. I can't remember what his name was, but it was like it was just a mana dump, and people thought it was gonna be really good. And I don't think it. Uh, was, I remember it was like Warden of the Last Tree. Yeah, Warden of the First Tree. Or the First Tree. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what it was. Thrun, yeah, Warden Thrun of the, the First, first Tree. Tree. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Warden of the First Tree was a one-one for green, and you could you could pump them with like. One and a and a white black hybrid. Yeah. Two and two white black hybrids. Three and three white black black hybrids. Um, I, I thought that was a bad card from the beginning, but I remember yeah. I, I took a lot of flack from people saying it's like, no, do you remember uh, Figure of Destiny? Figure right. Of and Destiny. That's, <laughs> and yeah. Like, this that's, is not Figure of Destiny. Figure <laughs> of Destiny isn't even that good anymore, and this yeah. guy is not Figure of Destiny. <laughs> exactly. I mean, like I know uh, Patrick Chapin was all about Warden the First Tree. He was like going nuts for it, and. I think it made a small splash, like, the first big tournament after uh, Fate was released, and then nothing after that. Yeah, I think it was more people who just loved Figure Destiny so much, who yeah. just wanted it to work, that they yeah. ran it, even though they may know that it wasn't that good. Yeah. I mean, there were there was people out there playing, like, these really big Abzan decks, 
And I mean, Sea Drino is just a better creature than Warden with first tree. Yeah. I would rather play. I would rather play four Sea Drinos than four Wardens. Yeah. Well, importantly, also we know that Eldrazi are coming back. Did you see the free saw... card? Yeah. What is that? The Sower of Fate or whatever? Oblivion Sower. <laughs> oh, that's what it is. Yeah, Oblivion Sower. Do you so... want to talk about that? Do you have the stats in there? Yeah. Uh, I like that it can actually go to your graveyard. So you can reanimate it. What I don't like <laughs> is that it's a cast ability, not a come into play ability. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it is definitely aggressively costed. It's six mana, so worm coil uh, mana. So definitely doable for a five eight. I mean, those stats alone, that's that's pretty nice. Six colorless yep. mana for a five eight. And then when you cast him, target opponent exiles the top four cards of his or her library. Then you may put any number of land cards that player owns from exile onto the battlefield under your control. Seems kind of good. No annihilator. No, no annihilator. Well, he's not. He's not a, a big bad Eldrazi. He seems like he's a baby Eldrazi, right? Yeah. Because your big bad Eldrazi were like at least from the lore perspective were Kozilek, uh, were Emrakul, and Ulamog. Ulamog, right? He's not one of those guys. Yeah. He doesn't really have a name. Yeah, he's just kind of a random Eldrazi. Um, I just hope that it's not kind of a hint that uh, Annihilator is not coming back. You like that mechanic? I do like that mechanic. I think it's just like, you know, if I'm summoning this massive, just spaghetti monster, you know, <laughs> I want that to be the nail in the coffin. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Embercool, when I, when I first came back, was like one of the first cards that I saw when I was looking up, you know big fat fatties mm-hmm. and I thought that was like it just blew my mind because was I had never seen anything like that before it I, looked like it looked like an unhinged card you know what I mean yeah well that was the thing is like before Emrakul I guess Progenitus was the real start to it but Emrakul was where it solidified yep. before Progenitus and Emrakul big fat fatties were terrible cards yeah like when I first started playing in Onslaught and there was like Croson Sky Reacher or whatever that card was like the 13-13 for 12 or whatever you know, those cards were just unplayable. No one... They were they were bad, and people yeah. would make fun of you for playing them. And <laughs> now it's just like, yeah, play those big fat fatties. Yeah. <laughs> I just remember being, like, playing Ice Age and wanted to play as many scaled worms as I could. Yeah, like <laughs> Leviathans and... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, now they're, like, just really good. This this uh, cast ability is, is pretty awesome. Um, but... Uh, it doesn't matter if you re- reanimate him. I guess you have to hard cast him. Yeah, I just don't think it's enough effect for it to actually see any competitive play. Like, Sir, I mean, certainly not in not in Legacy. Yeah, definitely not in Legacy. I mean, maybe there maybe will be another cycle of uh, Titans, and this is kind of uh, you know something that uh, reflects that. I could see this going into a control deck, being like their finisher. You know, if it's like the last thing that they, the last creature they cast, it doesn't really see the the thing you want out of a finisher out of a control deck is, um, you know, the ability to dodge. Sure, um, yeah. you, you want it to either have like hexproof. Um, you want to be able like if you look at the last couple of control finishers, you know, you have Ojitai, which it has hexproof. Yeah. Um, you know, you have the. Uh, Pearl Lake Ancient, which allows you to return it to its to your hand. Yep, you had Elspeth before that. Who yeah, was pumping out tokens, right? Right. So even if you killed it, you still got left behind with tokens. And then like Aetherling. Yep. Aetherling's kind of like the perfect example where you can yeah. just blink it out of play. Yep. Like this yep. is just like you play it. I mean, but if they have the answer for it, you know, you can't really do anything about it. So this guy, we're we're gonna relegate him to 
big fat fatty for a dual deck. That's, uh, like, that's exactly where he fits, right? He'll be pretty cool to open and draft. <laughs> Yo, yeah, yeah, but, yeah. That would be bad. Yeah, other than that, I don't really see him doing much. I think it's just it's our first little taste. Yeah, I mean, I'm excited because, like I said, I missed out on the first Zendikar, and people speak very highly of that set. So yeah, it's, um, it. I I've played limited in it a couple times, and its mm-hmm. limited environment was awesome. Yeah, that's what I've heard. That's what I've heard. Um, uh, what about Goblin Guide? Do you think he could come back? Yeah, I'm hoping he's going to be the return of Goblin Guide. The fact that we didn't get him in Modern Masters, I feel, is just really reminding me how Thoughtseize wasn't in the first Modern Masters, but it was in Theros. Right, yep, exactly, exactly. So I yeah, feel yeah. Goblin Guide's going to be in this set. What I'm really hoping for is full art lands. Oh, yeah. I'm, I. So that's the other thing I was thinking, is that if they don't do fetches, they got to do full arts, right? Yeah, to. yeah. Well, the other thing is Morrow announced that they're having another unset. Oh, they they for sure are? Yeah, well, I mean, that's what I heard through the grapevine, so don't oh, quote okay. me on that. I could just be spouting hearsay. Okay. But... I know they, I know that on his Tumblr, he does like a blog, the, like the blogatog Tumblr, he does Q&A on there all the time, and he definitely is pushing for one. I mean, Magic has been doing so well, like it, it's blown up so so huge the last, I mean, I would think like year and a half, two years, right? Mm-hmm. That they probably have a little bit of leeway to do some fun sets like that. Um, yeah. We'll see. Hopefully and... they don't conspiracy style thing. I just tried Googling it, and everything that's coming up is from back in like 2013. <laughs> yeah, I can't say that I've heard that, but I I have definitely seen on his, blo- on, on his uh, Tumblr that he's I, I think he gave, like, the best non-answer you could was, we're not not doing it, <laughs> kind of thing. Good. You know, like, it's <laughs> he hasn't gotten, like, completely cut out from it, so. I feel conspiracy was his compromise, because I feel I there's so. definitely people at the company that don't want to make non-tournament legal cards, because yeah. just from a sales point, if you can't play them competitively, people aren't going to buy nearly as much of them. Right, I mean, if they're not playing them on the promotional tour for Magic... I mean, they're not going to sell the sets, right? Yeah, exactly. It's kind of something that you, it's wacky you do for fun, but you're not going to go out buy, like... People aren't buying six cases of Unhinged. <laughs> right. Because they need those chase mythics for the tournament. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, so it's just like, from a money standpoint, it's just not as profitable as a regular set. So yeah. I feel Conspiracy was their compromise. Yeah. Those Unhinged lands are pretty great, though. Oh, yeah. I mean... So- Foil, foil, and hinged islands were running like a hundred dollars a piece for a while. Yeah, they're insane. Even like the the non foils were like twenty five. I actually considered buying a couple for my Delver deck, but I'm just running, I'm running the Zendikar Cup Islands because they they make people angry, so it makes me laugh. I like the Cup Islands. I don't know why people I, don't like those. <laughs> I do too. I do too. But they're just they're certainly the least popular of the yeah. islands, so that's why I run them. <laughs> exactly. But um, yeah, I. I I feel we're due uh, another Full Art Lands, and it, I feel the dealers also feel that way, because a little while ago, all the prices on the Full Art Lands plummeted. Yeah, I, right before that happened, like, right when they started to drop, <coughs> I sold off all my lands, because when they announced Battle for Syndicar, I basically assumed that, because I had probably, you know, a enough to run a monocolor deck of each type of basic, you know, each type of land. Mm-hmm. So probably, you know, like 24, 25 of each color. Mm-hmm. And I sold them all off except for like a handful of islands and mountains um, just because I, I had a really, a really big feeling that they were going to come out and send a car. But I, I think that 
they started dropping right when Battle for Zendikar was announced. Because they're like, all right, well, Zendikar's coming. That means whole arts. They're just hedging their bets there. Yeah, luckily as a legacy player, I just had one or two of each of the ones for either unhinged <laughs> or unglued. And I'm like, yeah. that's all I need. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I definitely like the unhinged lands more than the unglued lands myself. Um, yeah, it, the unglued are definitely a very stylistic approach. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I mean, the unhinged lands are beautiful. I, I have posters of all the unhinged lands, you know, uh, hanging in my living room. The mm, John Avon awesome. pieces, so yeah. I definitely <laughs> do love those. The forest is like I think my favorite out of all those. It's just it's so nice, it's such a nice land. Yeah, I'm I'm a big fan of the island. Yeah, of course you are. Of course you are. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah, yeah, it'll be cool. Though. I'm I'm excited. I think. Um, have you noticed any uptick in Origins cards and Legacy? Anything that's kind of stuck out to you, or has it sort of been? A smattering here and there. Yeah, just kind of a smattering. I think people are still figuring stuff out. Um, yeah. There hasn't really been any made Like, Legacy's just been kind of slow lately. There mm-hmm. hasn't been much going on. Summertime is always really slow, just for Magic yeah. in general. Yep. Just because people have other shit to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I definitely think that it'll it'll pick up once, the you know, school comes back in session. Yep, yep. Um, you know, school is a big driver for Magic because that's when you get all the new players because people show their friends this cool new game that they learned over the summer. Yep. And then, <laughs> you know, people are just inside more often. So yeah. it'll definitely pick up. The brewers will will start uh, brewing again. Yep, that's exactly how I got into it. Uh, I don't know, probably 15 years ago, maybe more than that. Mm-hmm. Was someone my, my best friend showed me it uh, when we got back to school in the fall and... Yeah, that's I, it. I, I, and then, yeah, I learned it in like homeroom of my sixth grade class. Yep, yep, yeah, that's great. Oh man. Well, I think that uh, pretty much wraps it up for this week. We want to scoop oh. some people into top eight. Yeah, Jerry, who do you have for scoops? Because I didn't, I didn't play too much, so I don't want a ton of scoops. But I'm, I'm pretty <laughs> <good>. <laughs> uh, well, I guess I'll have to scoop Celso in because I was bad mouthing <laughs> him at the beginning. Hear that, Celso? This is your reward for listening to the whole episode. <laughs> Congratulations on beating me, but I'm just going to dream crush you next week. <laughs> uh, oh, I also want to scoop in John Kerman, because that kid is like a bolt of lightning whenever I have a question. <laughs> like, I sent him a message, it's like, hey, did you say the like uh, TCG 1K uh, deck lists were posted, and he's like, yep, here they are, and he just sent me a link within, like, awesome. 30 seconds <laughs> flat. Like, I'm pretty <laughs> sure he great. just, <laughs> I'm pretty sure he just, like, had the link already pulled up and just was just waiting for it. <laughs> yeah, um, but, yeah, awesome. scoop him in, um, you know, scoop in the That's E crowd, Nate the Judge, I uh, got, got to have a nice conversation with him during my buy, so always a good time talking to him. He was in the paper the other day, did you see that? No, what was he in the paper for? Uh, so there was like maybe the Worcester Telegram and Gazette did a little story on um, the SCG coming to Worcester again sometime soon. Maybe one of the maybe one of the maybe it was the regionals SCG regionals coming to the DCU Center. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were just talking. They wanted to talk to a local judge about Magic and you know because a lot of people obviously a lot of people don't know about the game. They don't know where it's played. So he was just he was just in the paper talking about the game and it was cool to see him. Yeah, I, I met him a few times obviously and he's a, a really nice guy and I think he does a really good job building that community over there. So. It was really cool to see him uh, get a little recognition for that. Awesome. Yeah. Nice. What about you? You got anyone you want to scoop in? Yeah, you know, I'm going to scoop in. I'm going to scoop in you. 
for just being great and uh, <laughs> hanging out with me today and, uh, and getting through our first uh, duo cast, just the two of us. I know, right? Uh, <laughs> um, and uh, I'm going to scoop in uh, John Kerman as well because every time I talk to that kid, he's just like a, just a, just an awesome guy. Um, it's been really great to, um, you know, with the podcast and playing Legacy in general um, being a great avenue for meeting some awesome people. Um, I'm just very thankful for that. So scooping John in, and I'll scoop in Celso for just constantly giving you shit. Just busting <laughs> your balls in return whenever he can. Privately, <laughs> publicly. <laughs> He's like texting you, sending you like hate mail. He's yeah. like opening up AOL Instant Messenger and sending you messages. It's just, it's great. Um, I, it's a constant source of amusement for me. So thank you, thank you to Mr. Celso for that. Hey, you know, I wouldn't um, be surprised. I saw some smoke on the horizon. He may have sent me some smoke. <laughs> signals i just couldn't decipher them <laughs> he's in connecticut just like oh, in front of a bonfire just yeah. sweating up the storm sending yeah. smoke signals <laughs> um so yeah scoop in him and uh adrian too if he's listening scoop yep. in the top eight oh yeah so. scoop in adrian yeah he I deserves think. to be there my friend i think this is adrian's first episode missed because yeah, well, because before it was just me and him, it's like he couldn't record. I'm like, well, I'm not doing a one-man show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would imagine that get kind of old pretty fast. Yeah, it's like, hey, you guys want to listen to me talk about my life? No? Okay. <laughs> I mean, I, I could talk for an hour about my life, but it wouldn't be about magic movies, like kids, and other boring shit like that for other people. So. Welcome to Jerry's Therapy Corner, <laughs> where I crowdsource my psychiatric condition. <laughs> that could work. That could yeah, be it could work. Better. We may have a hit on our hands. <laughs> a solo show, yeah. <laughs> um, any other scoops? Uh, I will scoop in my wife. I had an awesome uh, time. We went to um, a family reunion. Union on Sunday. That's why I missed going up to TE, which is a bummer, but um, it was nice to see the fam. It was great to hang out with her and spend some time, so uh, scoop her in a top eight. She's wonderful. And, um, yeah, I think that's it, man. I don't think I've had anything else here. Yeah, I think uh, that's a wrap. Alright, man. Just the two of us hanging out today. Um, thanks, everybody, for listening, and uh, we'll talk to you next Monday. Yeah, we'll do it up. <laughs> Alright, take it easy, guys. Night, guys. Doctor placed you in my arms. I knew I'd meet death before I let you meet harm. Although questions arose in my mind, would I be man enough against wrong? Choose right and be standing up. From the hospital that first night, took an hour just to get the car seat in right. People driving off fast got me kind of upset. Got you home safe, placed you in your bassinet. That night, I don't think one wink I slept as I slipped out my bed to your crib. I crept, touched your head gently, felt my heart melt because I knew I loved you more than life itself. Into my and I beg the Lord, please let me be a good daddy. All he needs is love, knowledge, discipline too. I pledge my life to you. Just the two of us. We can make it if we try. Just me and you. Just me and you. Just the two of us. Just the two of us. We're building castles in the sky. Just the two of us. 
years old, bringing comedy. Every time I look at you, I think, man, a little me, just like me. Wait and see, gonna be tall, makes me laugh, cause you got your dad's ears and all. Sometimes I wonder, what you gonna be? A general, a doctor, maybe a MC. I wanna kiss you all the time, but I will test that butt when you cut out a line. True that, uh-uh-uh, why you do that? I try to be a tough dad, but you be making me laugh. Crazy joy, when I see the eyes of my baby boy, I pledge to you, I will always do everything I can. Show you how to be a man. Dignity, integrity, honor, and I don't mind if you lose long as you came with it. And you can cry, ain't no shame in it. It didn't work out with me and your mom. But yo, push come to shove, you was conceived in love. So if the world attacks and you slide off track, remember one fact, I got your back. Uh. Just a Just me and you, just me and you, against the world. Time job to be a good dad. You got so much more stuff than I had. I gotta study just to keep with the changing times. 101 Dalmatians on your CD rhyme. See me, I'm trying to pretend I know on my PC where that CD go. But yo, ain't nothing promised. One day I'll be gone. Feel the strike, but trust life does go on. But just in case, it's my place to impart. One day some girl's gonna break your heart. And who ain't no pain like from the opposite sex? Gonna hurt bad, but don't take it out on the next. Throughout life, people will make you mad Disrespect you and treat you bad Let God deal with the things they do Cause hate in your heart will consume you too Always tell the truth, say your prayers Hold doors, pull out chairs, easy on the swears You live and prove that dreams come true I love you and I'm here for you uh. Just the two of us We can make it if we try Just me and you, just me and you Just the two of us Taking the world for this dad.